hear somebody on YouTube or that says, you know, find your passion to be happy in life. Figure out what makes you find fulfillment. That was Mike Cohen, a certified health coach, a certified life coach, and a registered yoga teacher who wakes up every morning with a simple purpose to help others rediscover their powerful inner strengths. In 2015, he founded Your Wellness Yogi and the Living Life on Purpose community, an online community for people to rediscover their true self and gain the skills they need to move forward in all areas of life. You're listening to the Turning Point Podcast, where we talk about life lessons and how turning points can shape our journey. This is episode 13, The Power of Mindfulness. Before kicking off this episode, I wanted to make a few quick announcements. If you're enjoying the content, please go ahead and leave a rating or a review in iTunes. If you know someone that would love the podcast, feel free to share that Google Play link, that Spotify link, that iTunes link, or even that turningpointpodcast.com link. If you want to contribute to the podcast and get some exclusive benefits, you can also go to patreon.com slash turningpointpodcast. There's different tiers to how you can contribute and it's listed what you would get once you contribute to those tiers. So for now, let's kick off that episode. Mike, thank you so much for being part of the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. It's good to be here. I'm excited. I love podcasting. I love doing these things. These are This is a lot of fun for me. Well, I'm excited because I usually have a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of influencers, but I really like your background and I really wanted to have someone as a guest with this background on like health and wellness and how do we kind of get off that hamster wheel, right? And just take a breather. Of, in, I don't life. know. How do we do that? Yeah. <laughs> So I wanted to to kick off just learning a little bit more about your journey. Like, um, did you have a nine to five before you decided to come into this kind of wellness and health kind of yes. business? Um, so can you tell me a little bit about that? When I was in high school and college, I had really long hair and I had dreadlocks and a beard. And I was a, I was a I was a postmodern hippie. And I graduated college and I really wanted to kind of go up to Vermont and explore myself and energy and not in a negative way, but my parents kind of sort of motivated or convinced me that it was time for me to grow up and um, get a job. And so instead of me just getting a sort of like a nine to five job, I decided to then cut my hair, move into New York City. And I spent 15 years climbing up the corporate ladder and was at the height of my career a uh, managing director for a real estate property development company. And I would work, I don't know, 80, 90 hours a week. And I was overworked, overwhelmed. And I was pretty much over it. And that's when I decided to you know, start to see what my life really would be like if I wasn't just trying to accomplish and get more. I, I was at a stage in my life where, you know, I had everything I needed. I, on paper, I looked very happy. I had a nice brownstone apartment overlooking the park. I had a, you know, a summer share in the Hamptons. 
I had nice vacations in the Caribbean. I had really nice clothes and really good friends and a really nice girlfriend. Um, but it was this all about just consuming more. It was about when are we going to go to the nicer restaurant? When are we going to go to the yep. cooler bar? When are we going to go to the cooler vacation? And I was like 32 at the time. And I was like, this can't be it. This can't be the rest of my life. Can't just be about more stuff. And that led me down this rabbit hole of, you know, introspection and personal growth. So and then after that, I guess you started doing some research and, you know, kind of understanding this road that you're in. But you didn't start your business until a little later. Well, I was into yoga in college and that carried over into my adulthood. So I've been practicing yoga since I was 18. Um, And when I was in my late 20s and early 30s, I was practicing yoga at a yoga studio in New York City before yoga was on every street corner and in every gym. And it was very much a subcultural society of people and the community was very small. And I would go to this one yoga studio in New York City in Union Square called Jiva Mukti Yoga Center. And they had this Tuesday night Bhagavad Gita class. And the, for those of you who don't know, the Bhagavad Gita is two of the main um, texts out of India that focuses on yoga. And the Bhagavad Gita specifically focuses on bhakti yoga, jnana yoga, and uh, karma yoga. And bhakti yoga is the, the yoga of devotion. Karma yoga is the yoga of right action. And jnana yoga is the yoga of wisdom. Not the physical practice that we know in the gym, but the philosophical practice. And the Bhagavad Gita, for those of you who don't know, is the root of all modern psychology. Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung took most of their teachings and their philosophy from the Bhagavad Gita and other Hindu texts. Interesting. That led to the, over the course of, you know, what, 1940s, 1950s, and 1960s, so you're looking at 60 years to where we are today in this modern psychology and personal growth movement. That led me to begin to examine who I am, working a 80-hour, 90-hour work week, right? So understand my life at this time. I would get up at 6 a.m., and I would go to a meditation class, or I would go to a temple and study texts on Bhagavad Gita or Buddhism. Then I would go to my office by 8 a.m. I would work in my office nonstop, like working machine till like 7 o'clock at night. And then I would either go to a yoga class or I'd go to a Bhagavad Gita class or I'd go to a meditation class or I'd go on to a workshop on pranayama or other techniques of self-introspection. And then on the weekends when everybody else was out drinking and partying, I was up in the morning going to yoga, I was in workshops on yoga, or I was taking, you know, landmark or other personal growth courses. And it got to be a point in my life where I had two lives. There was this spiritual side of me that was very much into mindfulness and healthy living and being a yogi. And then there was this corporate dickhead who worked (laughs) 80 hours a week and was really like aggressive. And I said, my life is not in balance and I'm two people. And at that point was when I decided to leave my nine to five job or nine to five plus job and try to become a solopreneur. I failed when I became a solopreneur. I did not become successful overnight. I left my corporate job when I was 36 years old. I have just finally successfully 
moved into my own apartment this year. Wow. Did it, not happen overnight. It takes it takes time, especially you you were in the corporate world. So you didn't really have I guess the skill set to kind of become an entrepreneur and I guess you learn as you fall, I guess. I've I've I have a 9 to 5 job besides doing the podcasting and, and mm-hmm. this kind of uh, side business if you will. And um if I wanted to leave my 9 to 5, which I work in the tech industry, I I wanted to do this full time and kind of build a business out of this, I would probably stumble myself like several times just trying to figure out things so makes a lot of sense um yeah i did have a question um regarding when you were talking about yoga and like difference between taking a class in the gym and maybe doing this is it i've i've done it once i do muay thai and that's but Mm -hmm. i don't do uh, you probably know what muay thai is i know muay thai um i love it it's not i like it in the sense that it keeps me balanced in in the sense like like a lot of people do meditation and i do meditation as well but um it keeps me balanced in the sense that you it's a lot of it's a lot of physical work you end up drained but that being drained at the end of class brings me some sort of balance because i have really bad adhd so mm-hmm. it kind of burns that negative energy so that i can continue with my day and be productive so that's why i like it but going back to my question is there a difference between a yoga class in the gym and maybe a yoga class the ones the ones that you were talking about or okay. are they are they the same because i've only done one and i i didn't really like it that class but i think it was the instructor i don't think what we were doing was what i didn't like so there used to be okay. So for any of my audience that is that any of your audience today that's listening that is into yoga, let me set the ground rules. Yoga is more than just the physical practice mm-hmm. of yoga. Yoga is a spiritual, philosophical lifestyle. However, in the understanding of this audience and this conversation right now, we're going to focus on the physical aspect of yoga as a workout. Right. That's mm-hmm. what you're asking me. Yeah. OK. There used to be gym yoga mm-hmm. and then there used to be boutique, boutique studio yoga. Exactly. Gym yoga in the past was very much pushed off into the corner. It was in a very bad space next typically next to the weight room or it was in the group setting. It was, the gym didn't really cater towards yoga. And the gym didn't really cater towards the mindfulness and spiritual aspects of yoga in the health and fitness industry. That is shifting now. And more gyms are bringing yoga into the studio as a key component to their overall wellness brand. Because what gyms have found is the number one retention for people to stay in a gym membership is not – the exercise equipment, it's the group fitness and the yoga. And so they began to create spaces in gyms where those spaces have look, feel, and embrace the spiritual aspects of yoga. So I teach at one of these facilities that's really beautiful. I teach at a Lifetime Fitness. Lifetime is this premier fitness center. When you are in the yoga space, by and large, even in the whole gym, you do not feel like you're in a gym. You feel like you're in a yoga studio. And so that is sort of shifting. So there is no difference for the most part. Got it. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I guess in your experience, when you were 
in that nine to five and kind of understanding, hey, I'm, I really have two different personalities, right? This this one guy, like you said, that is like 100 miles per hour running in this job. But then this guy that's really into being mindfulness and being in wellness and what and whatnot. So um, what would you say between that, I guess, that experience of figuring both roles out is like the true key to wellness and happiness? Like, what was that, I guess, that moment when you were trying to figure out, like, I can't live like this because I'm super overwhelmed and stressed out. But at the same time, in the weekends, I feel great because I'm not at work and I can focus on practicing meditation and whatnot that kind of brings me down. Well, let me just clarify something. I still work a lot of hours. I I start my day at 6 a.m. And my first business project is at 8 a.m. So I'm up at 6 a.m. for two hours in the morning. And I'm not done with work until seven, eight, sometimes nine o'clock at night. So I'm still working a lot of hours because I work for myself. And any entrepreneur yeah. will will tell you that if you, when you quit your job, you work more. Now, my mission and what I'm trying to set up, and I'm hoping is going to happen in the next three years, is I be, my as my brand increases, and I begin to attract higher value projects, I will be able to decrease the number of hours I work because I will increase my income, which will mean that I can then begin to outsource work projects. So Mm -hmm. I do not want to increase my income and maintain my work level. I want to increase my income and decrease my work level, allowing other people to come take over aspects of my business that I don't have to do, like blog posting. Podcast editing, social media, um, account fault services like you know billing. Those things I can get rid of over time, and I can focus on what I do: life coaching, yoga, mindfulness, podcasting, public speaking. That's the goal. The question that you asked me was: when I was working eighty hours a week, and I was out of balance in my life. And I decided to change my life and become a yoga teacher and a life coach. What is the answer or what is the secret to finding happiness and fulfillment? I don't know. I honestly, I know this is a question people always say. Find your, do you follow your passion? Find your purpose. And that's just not the correct thing to say to someone. It's really great to go up on a stage or on a podcast and say, you know what, if you want to be happy in life, figure out what you want to do in life, follow your passions and everything will work out. We're not supposed to always do what follow our passions. I came a yoga teacher after 10 years of practice or excuse me, 20 years, but really 10 years of hardcore dedication to my practice before I even considered being a yoga teacher. Like it wasn't even like, oh, I love yoga. That's my passion. I'm going to go start a career. Mm-hmm. It was after 10 years of this being like, that's where my life is now. So I'm going to go do that. I'm not here anymore. When I worked in my corporate job, I did like my job. I w- loved working really hard. I wasn't unhappy in that experience. I was unhappy in retrospect because what I do now is more in line with who I am as a person. So instead of fo- trying to follow your passion, instead of trying to find 
that which you are excited about that you think is going to be your million dollar idea where you like hear somebody on YouTube or that says, you know, find your passion to be happy in life. Figure out what makes you find fulfillment. And so fulfillment is you being a family man or a family woman, but you still got to pay bills. Then get a job that's going to be nine to five so you can then spend more time with your family. Focus less on the, the, the material aspects of life. Like everyone wants to be the next podcast guru, right? Everybody wants to be like getting a million downloads because they think that's going to then free up their time. So then they're going to be able to go buy all this stuff in life. Rather, figure out what brings you fulfillment and then the rest will just fall into place. Fulfillment is different from passion. You can have passion in what brings you fulfillment, but it's slightly a different way to approach things. Does that make sense? That makes sense. So, for example, someone that's happy being, uh, you know, dedicated to their family, but they need a job to pay the bills, right? Right. But that job's still going to stress them out, right? They're going to have stress because. So, how, I guess my question, another question, right? Or kind of rephrasing the initial question, if you want to say it like that. Um, if if fulfillment for that person, let's just say person X, is being a family man or family woman, right? Coming home to, yeah, coming, coming home to their family or coming home to picking up a pet and going hiking after work, Mm -hmm. but their nine to five is super stressful. Do you think that that activity or that passion or whatever it is that they're doing after work is enough to kind of deal with the stresses from the nine to five? Twofolds. If you don't like your job, find something else to do. Mm Mm-hmm. I agree. Second of all, <laughs> you need to get over this. Everybody's always like, oh, my God, I'm so stressed out at work. Wah. Like, I'm sorry. Like, we've gotten into this cultural society where we think we're supposed to be happy all the time. That happiness is like the goal in life. Happiness is not the goal. We got to get over this idea that happiness is what we're supposed to be 24-7. That if we're not happy at our work, something's wrong. If we're stressed out at work, something's wrong. We need to learn how to let things go. We're too busy comparing ourselves to these things on social media and television. We're too busy saying, wow, if I just got that car, just got that house, just got that vacation, or just got that job promotion, or just got that new job, my life would be better because I'm stressed out my work right now. Kiddo, like for the most part, no. I mean, like, look, I get the fact, Holt, if you are a surgeon and you work in a hospital or you work on Wall Street and you're in a high, high pressure job on Wall Street or you are a, running a major corporation and you are like trying to keep the ship up, that you have a high pressure job. There are high pressure jobs, exactly. but there are high pressure rewards from that. But everybody else, it's not like that. And we're so much like, oh, my God, I went to work and it was so hard. My boss beat me up because I didn't get the report done. It's like or, you know, the call. I work at the call center and, you know, someone was really rude to me. And I'm going to carry that with me for hours on hours. We got to get over this stuff, man. Life is not about happiness. Life is not a like, life is not about pleasure. We live in this material world. We're not of this material world. 
which means that there's one fundamental truth in this material world that you cannot escape, and it's death. We're all going to die one day. Okay, that's something we can never get escape. It's impossible. So because of death, that equals change. Okay, because death is change. So everything in your life is going to change. You're going to to change where you live. You're going to change how your body is. You're going to change the relationships you have in life. Okay, so you're never always going to be happy. You're never always going to be stressful. So you need to get over this fact that, oh my God, when I go to work, I'm so stressed out. I, like, get over it, man. Like, breathe. Practice some yoga. Exercise. Eat healthy. And stop thinking that because your job is a little hard that it's you're, something's wrong with you. Well, it's people like to be the victim. You know, people yeah. like to victimize. Yeah. People like to victimize. Your job is supposed to be hard. It's called work. And you're supposed to do it for a certain period of time. We're not kids. That's okay. It's learning not to carry it with you, right? When we do stress, we do stress. We need to learn to let it go. Then we do happiness. And then we let it go. The more we cling to happiness, the more we like reach for happiness and reach for pleasure. And the more we're like, oh my God, I'm just going to get that. The more we're going to be stressed. The more we're going to have anger and sadness. Okay, let me explain this in one final detail. Mm-hmm. Simple example, clothes. We all need clothes, right? Okay. Most people fill a void with buying tons and tons and tons of clothes. Yes. They overshop. Yes. Right. But they don't wear it. They don't wear it because they're clinging to that 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 pleasure. Right. That's that's what they think. That's what will make their life purpose. Instead, buy. A couple of these pieces of really nice clothes instead. And then take the rest of your time to connect with the people in your life rather than the things that you own. When we reach, we fall. Yeah, that is a very minimalist approach. And and um, I myself consider myself a minimalist. You know, I don't. For me, it's not going out to a store and buying something like when I go to a store is because I need that. Maybe I'm going to like a wedding, so I need that pair of shoes or I need that shirt or whatever it is. But I just don't go and buy stuff just collected. Um, and I and I recently started to become more of a minimalist. And that's when I started to clean up my closet and get rid of a lot of stuff and sell stuff and do garage sales and whatever it is or even donate it. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of people don't want that mindset. For them, it's like, well, I work, work, work. So I'm going to get that car that I want or I'm going to get this house that I'm not even going to use 50% of that space. I'm going to justify my jobs by buying more things. Exactly. And that doesn't really bring you joy. And and lately, I've been trying to kind of separate, at least for myself. This this is what I'm applying to my life. Separate myself or at least change my expectations on certain relationships because all they want to do is buy stuff. Like that's what and that's all we talk about. I'm like... I don't want to go out for a drink with you if all you're going to talk to me about is about the latest car you got. Like, let's talk about life. Let's talk about meaningful things, right? Like other things that are not just buying and constantly talking about the newest and greatest thing you just got. Like for me, that's that's what's been working out for me lately. And um, and I had to find that out for myself. I think a lot of people are not not there yet. And they try to compare themselves constantly with social media. I think that's one of the biggest issues here. It's just people post the lovely times and the lovely vacations, but they don't post when they got fired from their job or when, you know, they broke a, a leg 
or something like that. People post the lovely yeah. things. They don't want to see, you don't see people between that lovely vacation to the next lovely vacation. What happened during that time frame? We don't really talk about that. Um, yeah. I like to keep things simple, man. Like I, I shop at three stores, Banana Republic, Lululemon, and Lucky Brand. Those are my three stores. I have two suits, five button-down shirts, three dress pants, and then a cup, and then I have casual clothes. But I don't have a lot. I have a small little closet. It's literally like you know, I don't know how big is this? Twelve feet? Yeah, about two or twenty-four feet. That's it. That's all my stuff. We're in this weird sort of stage in in society. It's really interesting. This is a for the first time in the world where we're so interconnected. Twenty years ago, you know, I'm a I'm a zenial, right? That's the new term. I'm a zenial. I'm not I'm between a Gen X and a millennial. I'm a called, millennial. So. You're a millennial. I'm, <laughs> I got I'm a called, bad rep. Apparently, I'm called a zenial. That's like the thing. I because I I uh, grew up. I I um was a kid pre internet, but I grew up in high school in with the internet. Yep. So I'm considered like the uh, cross bridge. So when I was a kid, uh, the world around me was very fragmented, right? You know, culturally, your ethnicity was your town. Your background was your town. Your sexuality was in your community, right? You know, it wasn't all this interconnected sexuality, genders, uh ethnicities, religions, everything was very much compartmentalized. When you went off into work as an adult, that's when things began to be the melting pot, and at least in America, but in Europe and to a degree. In the last 20 years, we've become so interconnected that we've been bombarded with all this information. At the same time, Goods, products, the creature comforts of life have become so affordable that the average person making $8 an hour in the U.S. or $2 an hour in another country has access to all the creature comforts of life. Your cell phone has more entertainment value, right, if you have a smartphone, an Android, an iPhone, than I had when I was a kid. Netflix, Amazon Prime, Apple, you know, more entertainment, more access to goods, more access to a variety of food than ever before. And I'm not just talking about in the United States, I'm talking about all over the world. So we're bombarded with information. We have access to affordable goods. We all, for the most part, have a roof over our head, food on the table. And so we're no longer as a global society in survival mode. There are parts of the world, for sure, that are suppressed, yep. and there's parts of the world that have violence. We know this, and that's very sad, but it's less now than it was 20 years ago. I mean, think you've got to think about this. When was the last, like, we in America are have been living with a, a war for 20 years now, and it has not changed our way of life. And we're not the only country like that. There are many countries around the world that are in a constant state of battle, and yet our lives have not been affected by it because of this, inf- both the information and the goods. 
And so now we're at this point in our global society where we no longer are in survival mode and the average person doesn't know how to deal with it. A hundred years ago, even 50 years ago, most people grew up in the town they grew up, lived, worked, and died in the town they're from. And if they went on vacation, they went on vacation two hours away from where they grew up. Yeah, they would drive to right? it. They would drive, they would to, drive to it. That's different now. I mean, you can fly to anywhere in the world for a very affordable rate and by anybody. And so we're not used to all this access to information and all this access to goods. And so we sit there and this is what happened to me. And it went, I, you go, is this what my life is all about? Everyone said, work hard, get a good job so you can get stuff and you'll be happy. I have everything I need in life. I have a couch. It's nice. I have a nice flat screen TV, a nice car, nice food, decent clothes, access to nice affordable vacations, a steady job. What do I do now? And so some people, the people listening to your podcast, the people that work with us, the people that are curious about what life is all about, begin to say, well, what's this all mean? That's, that's one group. Another group says, oh, I got to get more stuff. That's what's going to make me happier. You got to consume so more. I, I got to consume more. And then what happens is where the negativity comes from, the stress and anxiety, is when the people around you, the people that want to be in power, the people that control Facebook, social media, Instagram, the news, politicians, leaders, say all that stuff that you're acquiring that's going to make you happy you have to follow me and listen to what I'm going to say or those other people over there that don't look like you, think like you, and act like you, they're going to take your stuff. And that's the only one thing that's making you happy. And that leads to that stress that you were talking about earlier with the job and the work. Rather than the other route you can go when you get to that crossroad in life where you're like, wow, what's this all mean? And I have all this stuff and I'm still sort of unsure of my life. It's, well, what's it mean to be me? Who am I? What's it mean to have a soul? What's the purpose of life? How can I be more compassionate? How can I be more understanding? How can I be more accepting? Oh, wait, what's that all lead to? Oh, my understanding of fulfillment. So we can go down those two roads. And I think also um, people now lately for some reason i really don't remember this as a kid i kind of realize more now in like my late 20s early 30s people are more angry all the time yeah. like in the road at work people are just angry all the time and you kind of want to be the the change that you want to see in the world so you want to be more compassionate you want to be more giving but then sometimes you're like well i'm doing all this i'm putting all that out there and then you know all i'm getting is just constant people getting angry but then that one day that you're like maybe i you know that day you woke up in a bad mood for whatever reason you don't wake up happy every day it just happens you know you woke up and you're not in the best mood and that one person, you go to a coffee shop and that's the one person that maybe was like, they gave you a free coffee. Because that happened to me. Like one day yeah. I go into the city and I stopped to get a coffee and the cashier was like, oh, it's on us today. Go. And I'm like, out of the blue. You're like, cool. Yeah, I'm like, great. Free coffee. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard, I guess, sometimes to try to be that kind of change that you want to see in the world when all you're seeing is negative things because people are constantly angry and a lot of people 
feel that self-improvement it's like corny and like stupid so they don't feel that I should self-improve and not be angry all the time what can I do and research and maybe go see someone in the wellness industry that can help me or a life coach or a therapist whatever it is so some people don't want to do that go that extra mile and kind of figure out what's what's wrong with me and they just they get comfortable and they just roll with the punches and they're like maybe tomorrow will be better but then maybe tomorrow what made you feel better is that you went and bought a new phone or you went and bought something. And that's what made you feel better that day. So then you forget about it. And then it's this vicious circle. At yeah. least that's, that's how I see it, at least. A couple things I, I want to say here. And I want to try to keep my thoughts organized. First one, it takes nine positive messages to overcome one negative thought. You have 50,000 thoughts a day. Okay? If you constantly plug into things like Facebook, Instagram, the news, television shows that promote, you know, greed, you're going to have more negative thoughts. In order to overcome those negative thoughts, you're going to have to allow more positive thoughts into your life, affirmations, books. So there's nothing wrong with going on social media. Social media is not the bad guy. Facebook is not the devil. Instagram is not the evil empire. Twitter is not the problem. It's your, you, me, and everyone else around us learning how to manage that on an intelligent level. So that's the first thing. And so you got to understand that. So if you go on Facebook, you're going to see a lot of negativity. You got to overcome that negativity by adding in positive information, affirmations, podcasts like this one. Promoting a positive message, audiobooks, music, whatever it is. Same thing with television. If you go on television and you watch the TV shows that are on television, a lot of them promote sex, drugs, and violence, and murder, and intrigue, and scandal. And they're all living these really fabulous lives and they're really good looking. That's going to produce negative thoughts there, too. All you have to do is be mindful of it, and you have to, over, you have to fill that with positive thoughts to overcome that negativity. Right? You just got to understand what's going on because negativity is an addiction. So media knows their job is to both entertain you and keep you watching. And they yeah. know negativity is addictive because they get paid with commercials and product placement. And so you just have to be aware of that. And when you're aware of it, that's mindfulness, then you begin to create systems in place to overcome that negativity. And this leads to my second thing. I hate the word uh, self-development. I hate that word because there is nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with you. And there's nothing wrong with anybody listening to the show. You're not broken and you don't need fixed. I don't care who you are. We all have problems in this world. We all think we're the only ones to have problems. I have problems just like you. Yes, there are people that have more severe problems forms of problems and more drama. There's people that have been sexually assaulted and abused and raped. There's been there's people dying of cancer and disease. There are real drama in life. But guess what? Your trauma and my trauma is no different from the person that has had real suffering. We all experience it to the same level, right? So there's nothing wrong with any of us. And we have to understand that we are all going through some sort of struggle. We always will. And that's never going to change as long as we live in this material world. And that's okay because we have to live in this material world in order to fulfill our karma or we're going to keep repeating the cycle. 
and we're going to keep reliving that which we are suffering. So that's the second thing. Personal growth, I like. Personal growth is about learning how to live the best life that you can live, learning tools and techniques and and habits and routines to be the best version of you. Because you don't need to change. You don't need to develop. It's learning how to set your life up in a way for you to succeed. Like you and I both have ADHD. You really, So I have to set my life up with my ADHD for me to succeed. So through personal growth and life skill training, I've learned to create habits like lists and calendars and meditation Same to here. be successful. Okay, That's personal growth, not self-development. I hate self-development. It's terrible. Okay. Now, my final thought, I got to bring it home and I forget where I was going at this and, I, and I'm going to try to bring it back. You were talking about something and I don't remember the rest. That's where I got. <laughs> That's the ADHD. Um, what was I talking? I was talking about people waking Friends. up unhappy and buying something to oh, make themselves happy. Yes. There you go. Change. There you got go. it. Okay. I was on a podcast the other day. And this, and it was a very nice woman. And she was like, she asked me, she's like, do you think there's a conscious shift in this world and more people are waking up? And that's a very popular question in the new age personal growth industry. Everybody wants to feel like we're awakening, right? Like that's the word. I'm awoke, right? Like the, you know, the acceptance of transgender, the acceptance of different sexualities, the acceptance of different race, ethnicities, the whole thing is like, I'm awoke. Yeah, I think there are, I think there are more people aware and accepting of consciousness. But instead of focusing on, wow, everybody's waking up and the podcast movement and spreading a message of love, rather focus on how you can make the world around you a little bit better and stop worrying about everything else. So I can't control the person cutting me off when I drive to work. I can't, and that just happened when I was coming home. Literally, someone drove into my lane to drive around the, the mailman who, and almost hit my car and honked at me like I was some sort of jerk because he almost hit me. And I was like, I guess he's in a hurry. I hope he's okay. So I can focus more on my life and how I can make my life more peaceful, happy, and harmonious with the people I surround myself with rather than focusing on worrying about being the change I want to be to change the world around me because I can't control the world around me. I only can control me. I can only control how I think, how I feel, and how I react. So I can only do that. I can't change anything else. So I can say, wow, I think I'm going to make the people around me better. I'm going to feel love and compassion. And I'm going to try not to react to negativity. And I'm going to do my best. Instead of worrying about the other stuff. Because that's just too hard. It's too hard. There's too much crap in this world. Too many people are overworked, overbooked, overwhelmed, frustrated, and listening to the negativity. And I can't change it. The most popular news organization in the world is known for a message of negativity. There's yeah. a reason why it's the most popular one. It has nothing to do with politics. It's because it gets people sucked in, right? Positivity and positive messaging is not addictive. Negative messaging is. It creates a level of stress and anxiety that produces a level of cortisol that is addictive. 
it's no different than heroin. But yet, so like, then this is let it, let all that go and just focus on you. And, and going back to that mindfulness, what habits do you recommend people to do? Um, maybe on a daily basis, maybe on, as a morning routine or as an evening routine that can help them um, kind of achieve that letting go. Um, Besides meditation, which is the most obvious yeah, one. Right? Exactly. Like everyone's always going to be like, just meditate, learn to breathe, meditate. You know, I don't know. It, it's different for everyone. I like to practice. So for me, I like to practice gratitude. That, that one works for me the most. And what I do is I first start with the people in my life that I'm grateful for. First, myself. I'm always grateful for me. All right. That's the I, like. So whenever I practice gratitude, I'm always I always say this to myself and I say it to my students and I say it to my clients. We take a moment, bring our hands together, or place your hands in your lap, close your eyes and let's be grateful for ourselves. And then I give a little pause and say nice things about myself. Then I we're grateful for our family and I say all the nice things about my family. Then I say we're, I'm grateful for my friends. This, my friends that come into my mind that I'm grateful for. Then I, I say, then let's be grateful for the people in our lives that inspire us and bring us to our higher self. I list all those people like Tony Robbins, you know, Tim uh, Ferris, Jordan Harper, Tim Ferris, like anybody, anybody that I've listened to, read their book that like this makes me a better person, my guru. Then. I always say, let's be grateful for those people in our lives that we have conflict with, that have caused us harm. And I send that message of gratitude out. And when I send that message of gratitude out to both the good and the bad, that's when I can begin to let go. So tonight, I can say, I'm grateful for the person who cut me off today and beat their horn at me because I knew, now I know how it made me feel. So the next time I'm in a rush and I cut someone off, I'm not going to yell at them. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be a jerk. I'm not perfect, but I'm grateful for that person teaching me maybe not to do that into the future because it made me feel bad today, and I don't want to do that tomorrow to someone else. So when I have practiced gratitude to both the positive in my life and the negative, I'm able to let go of those emotions that I carry. I like that. I really like that. And, and especially because I, I like that you said it, not everything works for everyone. And I completely agree with that. Because when I say to people that I do Muay Thai, they are always like, that is such an aggressive sport. Why are you doing that? And I'm like, you're seeing it from the outside. You need yeah. to understand the sport. You need to understand why people do it. And you're going to see, yeah, it's hard. It's a hard sport, but it's not really to go beat people up in the street. That's not what the sport is about. You know, they teach you to kind of train and if you are going to do it professionally you do it in the ring you don't this is not used to beat people up in the street when they anger you that's not why i do it so yeah. uh, it, you know everyone's different meditation muay thai running some people love running i hate running but it works for them i hate running i can't deal with it when people are like it. if you see me running someone's chasing me like just like <laughs> there is no other reason why i would be running yeah. Um, I don't know, but I have a cousin who loves it. She like loves it. That's, that's she after work, before work weekends. That's all she's doing. I'm a yogi. Yeah. So I like that you, but I wanted to ask in your experience, what were those mindfulness habits that maybe people can kind of pick up that maybe they didn't know? I've heard of the gratitude one, but I haven't heard about it in detail. Like you were mentioning it. Well, yeah. I mean like meditation is the most obvious one, right? But the problem is meditation is the hardest one to get started. Yeah. But one of the, one of the main obstacles to, for meditation 
right? There are, mo- there, are, there are a certain number of obstacles to meditation. One of the main obstacles of meditating is actually meditating. Actually, not letting down. your mind think about something else where you're trying to meditate. See, that's the misconception. That's really? Because that's all one. I've heard. When, when I started doing meditation, they were all about if you are trying if well so i heard two things so i had i had two different apps that i was using um one of them was like try to come back to being mindful but the other one was like don't judge yourself for thinking about something else so they both gave me kind of a miss i guess idea of what it was supposed to like should i just accept that i'm thinking about something and not judge myself because then i would think i would feel bad about myself when i was thinking about something else instead of thinking of the meditation itself Let's go into the con. So there's many different forms of meditation. One of the forms of meditation I do is called Japa meditation, where I repeat a mantra over and over again. Prayer. Prayer is a form of meditation, right? Like that is one form of meditation, sitting in a temple or ashram or in your home and reciting a prayer over and over again is a form of meditation. That's not the meditation that we're going to talk about. You're talking about silent meditation. Yep. Okay. Now. If you were a, a practitioner of yoga or martial arts or and or a monk and you lived a very quiet, sattvic life, meaning you didn't live in a home, you didn't have a job, you didn't drive down the highway, you didn't listen, have an iPod, you were not connected to the modern world and you very lived a very secluded, very peaceful world, we call it in Sanskrit, the word is sattvic. And you lived a very monastic life. You ate very peaceful monastic food that's very mild and bland. Because if you eat foods with spices, you're going to have a racy mind. If you eat foods that are very toxic, you know, Burger King, you're going to have a very dull mind. And so you would eat very foods in the mood of goodness with not a lot of spices, very mild. You lived a monastic life. You ate a, So you ate very clean. You did a lot of yoga and you stretched out your body. And you lived like that for 5, 10, 20, 30 years, like in a monastic, isolated world, you would probably be able to get into a state of, of dharna or pure meditation where you would be absent of thought. That is not what you and me and everybody in the Western world is trying to do. This goes back to my original statement. You have over 10 or 50,000 thoughts every day, okay? So you have 50,000 thoughts, and your mind is like an iceberg, okay? The tip of the iceberg is the conscious mind, and that's what you can see on the surface level. That is maybe 1,000 thoughts a day. Most of your thoughts are on the subsurface level of the mind. And then you have different layers of the subsurface line. These subconscious mind's thoughts have different purposes. One of those subconscious thoughts is what we call in Sanskrit samskaras. These are these habits and routines that you form. So like an example of a subconscious thought that served you. When you get up in the morning and you want to go to the bathroom, do you consciously walk down the hall, open up the bathroom door, turn on the light, lift up the seat, sit down and do your business? Or you just kind of go on autopilot? You go on autopilot. You're not thinking. Right. These things are not. We'll give it another example. When you're driving to work, your first day at work, right? New job. You get up in the morning. You put your nice outfit on. You get in the car. You put the 
that the address and GPS, you're consistent, consciously driving to work, you're making the right turn, you're making the left turn, you get to the office, you walk in, you're aware, you're aware of when you walk into the office, you get to your desk, you sit down. You're very conscious the first day. Do you think you're like that in six months? No. The action of getting to work is a subconscious action. Mm-hmm. That's a, what we call samskara. These all of your subconscious thoughts are pre-programmed into you, okay? Various experiences in life create different samskaras, and you don't know what they are. And sometimes it's very simple, very benign things, like you come home one day or you go to the mall and you buy a really nice piece of clothing that you've been thinking about for a very long time and you've been saving money, you go and you buy it and you put it on and you go out and you go to your friend and you say, hey, what do you think of this outfit? And your friend says, dude, you look ugly in that. <laughs> right? And you don't know what's going to happen and sometimes those thoughts get triggered and programmed into you. Right? And then that always carries with you and you always think you're ugly. When I was in second grade, my second grade teacher said I was stupid. For years, I had that programmed in me on a subconscious level that I was stupid. I wasn't. I had a high IQ score of 160, but she said I was stupid. And it, it stuck with you. Right. And so we get into meditation to examine those thoughts, right? So, and that's why people don't like doing it because it's very painful to go inside and see all that negativity. We all have it. We all have negativity. But the difference between me and most people, I don't cling to my negative thoughts. When I have them, I go, wow, that's a negative thought. Let me let it go. And it comes back. I have the same thought. I go, wow, that's a negative thought. I had that one last time. Let me try to let it go again. Then it comes back again. Wow, you're back again. I don't really need you in my life. But you're here. Why do you keep coming back? Let me explore why you're there. Where did you come from? Meditation is that exploration. And in the beginning when you meditate, you're going to think about your groceries. You're going to think about your responsibilities. You're going to think about your job. You're going to think about your family. That to-do list of the day. The to-do list. Over time, if you meditate every day on a regular basis, you're going to begin to peel back the layers of the mind and you're going to begin to see the subconscious thought patterns that come up. And then over time, you're going to be able to let go of those negative thought patterns because you're going to be able to get to the root of where it was planted and reprogram that root. Once you have that thought pattern, you never get rid of it. Once you have that thought pattern, you can't get rid of it. You only can change the synaptic pathways. You can change which ones are firing and which ones are not firing, but you cannot change that which was created. And, and I love what you were talking about a little bit about emotions. I remember I had a conversation with a psychologist once and he said something uh, to this. If I, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he said something to if it's hysterical, it's historical. So if, yeah. you're, if you're battling something that's really bad and it's a story, it's something that happens. Someone, something happens. Some, someone said something and you saying that about the negative thoughts like, OK, one, I let it go once. I let it go a second time. But if you're constantly coming back i really need to figure out why it's a little bit deeper 
And um, yeah, but not all, most most of that's not even that big of a deal, really. It's just sort of like things that are in passing, where like you come home one day and you're really excited, you got an A on an exam, and for whatever even reason, your loving mom or dad was having a bad day, and you were all excited. And you said, look what I did. And they snapped at you over something. And that created some sort of negative impression in your mind that got implanted. It's not always like these big dramatic events. Sometimes it's this little kind of nuances where like you're in line at a grocery store or, or something and somebody said something to you and it gets planted in your mind. And you're like, wow. And that, and that just sits there. You have and meditation begins to peel back those layers. That's why people are like always like think they can't succeed and they're like, I'm bad at adulting. I'm like, who said you're bad at adulting? Oh, because I don't get this one thing done. Well, that doesn't mean you're bad at adulting. That's this means you're struggling at one thing. And then and you don't know where that plant comes from. And that's why you have to begin to explore that and go into meditation. There's no other way to do it. I wish there was. It'd be so much easier if I can just tap, plug you into a computer and be like, run a diagnostic and go, oh, here's what's wrong and here's the here's where those problems arise from and let's like kind of change the programming. The human mind doesn't work like that. We our diagnostic is run when we're able to find space between the breath to find it in the silence. There's no other way around it. And if you really want to find some growth in your life, you got to get into meditation. And if you're failing, this is an entrepreneurial podcast, right? Entrepreneur influencers, creatives, that's mostly. So for those of you listening to this podcast and you're an entrepreneur and you're a creative and you're struggling, the only way to figure out why you're struggling is to step into that silence. There's no other way to do it. Most entrepreneurs and creatives that I talk to, they meditate. Like that's one of the things that they talk about. Every major successful CEO these says they meditate. I mean, you, it, they, they can't be wrong. You ask every, you know, and I'm not talking about the CEOs that you don't admire. I'm talking about the CEOs that you do admire. And, you know, everybody's like, well, what do you do? And they're like, oh, I meditate every day. Well, why? Well, it makes me a better person. It makes me a better husband. It makes me a better wife. It makes me a better uh, employee, uh, employer. It makes me more compassionate when I get to examine how I'm affecting people in, in this world and how people affect me. Meditation only makes you a better person. Yeah, I agree. It also makes me calmer. I feel like I don't yeah. know. It makes me more. If I don't do it one day, because I sometimes I, I'll do it two days and then I forget. It's like a week and then I didn't do it. And I can tell. I tell the difference immediately. Like I can feel that day was productive towards the other day. Maybe wasn't as productive. At yeah. least At least for me, this this has been great. I love what we talked about. I think. I personally understand it and grasp what you've been saying. And I hope that a lot of the listeners can understand that and maybe try to apply it to their lives. Because personally, I, I was one of those persons. I was like, oh, meditation, what is this? Like, oh, you're just sitting there. But once I started to reading a little bit about it and trying to find an app that was suited for me, because there's so many out there. So um, many. I, I personally use Calm. That's the one I, I like, like. That's the one I use. I like Calm too. That's, and I was, I, you, there's another one, I think. Um, Headspace. Headspace and... and waking up or something like that i think it's sam harris's app it's good but i if you if i'd compare it to calm i like calm a little bit better. i like calm calm calm's the one i use i don't need to explore anyone else i'm happy with calm yeah i was really happy and then they started doing this like bedtime stories thing where you yeah can, like, that was cool too they help yeah i mean they're they're really like good. i fall asleep to them i'm like 
<laughs> they're really good they're really good so i have yeah. this i have this bad habit of like trying to you know i i love friends so i usually put friends on at night to fall asleep but i'm like i should should do something else even though it's like, it's like a nice show to watch but falling asleep to the tv sometimes is not the best thing no it's not good for you no so in wrapping up i, I love to ask a guest this question towards the end um what book have you read that you recommend that kind of uh, changed your life or really changed the mind your mindset or just made a difference in your life it's just that one maybe that i don't one really book. <laughs> i wish i can say this one book can you hear me still yeah you can okay my cat because my one cat just walked yeah. right across the computer <laughs> Uh, I wish I can say I have one book. I can't give that answer. I can give a couple books that I read that changed my life. Sure, that works. Um, the Miracle Morning by Hal Alrod, uh, The Bhagavad Gita by Srila Prabhupada, and The Yoga Sutras by Swami Satchananda, and A Journey Home by His Holiness Radhana Swami. And one last thing, if people want to get in touch with you or learn more about you or your business, where can they do that? Just go to my website, yourwellnessyogi.com. Everything's there. Perfect. That's great. Thank you so much for being part of the podcast today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And that is a wrap for episode 13. As we are living in a world full of distractions and multitasking, I don't think we understand the toll this takes in our body and how this affects our mental clarity. I think this episode is a great reminder that sometimes we need to step out of that hamster wheel and take care of our mind and our body. So for now, peace out and see you next time.